call is now being recorded. All right, we're here with Steve V. Alone coming out of uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. How are you doing today, Steve? Good. Excited to be on. And even more yeah. excited for this draft tomorrow. This, you know, in Philadelphia, if you're a basketball fan, this is like the championship. Well, after the past three years of grief, I think this is the least we could all uh, hope for was finally getting that first pick. And uh, it sounds like it's going to be Simmons. Any any chances in the eleventh hour? This changes. I doubt it. I mean, you know, they've 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 told them as much, and they'd be pretty stupid to make a trade unless they were you know, offered some sort of legendary type player that, you know, will never get traded. So, you know, to answer your question, there's no way. But, I, I you know, just to kind of expand on what I just mentioned earlier, it's funny because I was, I was talking with one of the guys I play basketball with and how excited we were after the lottery and, uh, you know, with the Sixers getting the number one pick. And I think back to all the years that I watched the lottery um, in with my fingers crossed, hoping for you know, a great pick for the Sixers. And it is really sad as to how many of those years I sat in front of the TV with the hopes that the Sixers would be able to get a, a top pick. I mean, in other words, they have been awful for a very, very long time. <laughs> Way too much of my life has been devoted to watching terrible basketball. Uh, we all know what that's like. I mean, hopefully after watching Cleveland win and seeing them get the first pick multiple years in a five-year span, Maybe it's our time. Well, they're on the right track with the number one pick, and it's very exciting. I mean, of all the potential stars in Philadelphia that are new to the city, you know, the Phillies had the number one pick, and Wentz, and, uh, you know, the Flyers have uh, have the ghost and everything. I mean, the one I'm most excited about is Simmons. Um, it's really what they do to, to build around him that I think will be, you know, that's that's the big question. So, I mean, I know you've been following it as closely as, uh, as uh, you know, as anybody would. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on on what they're going to end up doing? I feel at this point you can't go past nine o'clock tomorrow night with both Nerlens and Jaw on this roster because if you do, you're clearly dealing from a position of weakness moving forward, and you might just have to make the best trade you can, unless it's really bad. Well, I agree. I mean, there's sort of a log jam there, especially if we get Dario. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I don't know what the plan would be. It's, it's kind of like a, a gluttony of riches a little bit, which is amazing considering they had 10 wins last year that were even, you know, saying that. But, um, what you know, tr- I don't want to deal one of them just to deal one of them. I, if we're going to deal one of them, I want to be able to get a very good guard in here that can – um, either shoot the lights out uh, or um, compliment Simmons and not need to dominate the ball. Uh, so here's and, a question: Who's the? Yeah. Here's a question: Who's the worst player? And if not the actual player, someone of that caliber, or the worst pick you take at this point for either of them? And if it's subjective, I understand. Well, worst player—that's kind of hard to say. I mean, it would have been Teague, but he just got dealt. So um, someone on that level—that's what I'm thinking. Right, someone on that level, I would agree. You know, basically just like a—I a, um, know Teague made an All-Star team. That's probably the only All-Star team he's ever going to make. So you know, like you don't want deal one of them for somebody who's. No, I—I I, I mean, Drew Holiday is kind of a hard guy to use as an example because he's so injury prone. Um, 
the worst player would be, again, somebody who is either just going to be here for a year and then take off, uh, or somebody, I think, no one's really saying this, but somebody that needs to dominate the ball. I don't think they would ever deal for somebody like that. But you don't want to get a guy in here who uh, constantly needs to have the ball in his hands to make things happen because that's what you want Simmons to do. So really, I think the ideal compliment, I'm kind of, I'm not really answering your question here. I'm giving you the opposite, the ideal player. I mean, Dunn would be great, but I, I would personally love to see Buddy Heald um, on the Sixers because I think I can just envision Simmons driving to the lane, driving to the hoop, dishing it back out to Heald, who has unlimited range. Uh, and, and that's the type of guy I would love to get. I know they have Covington and Stauskas, and the jury's kind of still out on him. I think adding shooters should be a priority. You know, what I don't want to see them do with the pick, again, is get a guy who needs to compete with Simmons for uh, for ball-handling responsibilities. Would you agree? And if it's a first, I do. And if it's if it's not a player and it's a top-ten pick, where's that line where, you know what, if it's only going to be – for me, I think it's seven. If it's seven or below, I think maybe you suck it up and keep them. But if you can get seven or six or higher, that's when you make the move. Well, wouldn't Denver do that deal? I mean, if I was Denver, I, I would do that in a second and, and trade the, the seven pick for um, for Okafor. And I, I don't know if I would do it if I was the Sixers, but you know, maybe uh, maybe get seven and something else from them. Uh, I think that would be a good deal for Denver. I haven't heard anybody talking about it. Um, do you make that but, trade today, or do you have to wait and see that Buddy or Chris Dunn fall? I, good question. I think you have to wait and see because if the choice is between a guy like uh, Marquise Chris or um, the, the guy from uh, Ellenson, from uh, Marquette, uh, or basically a forward, which you don't need, or Bender even, um, then you don't want to make that trade. But if Heald is there, if Murray's there, uh, if Dunn is there, which he won't be, if a guy like that is, um, you know, then I think that that is a, I think that's a, a, a deal that would make a lot of sense. Uh, there are a lot of rumors now about like three team deals involving LA and New Orleans and, you know, and Okafor seems to be the guy that's moving in all of them. So I, I can't think he's still going to be here um, heading into the year, but I, I don't want to take 50 cents on the dollar for him. And I think 50 cents on the dollar would be a pick like nine or 10 or a player worse than Jeff Keith. Do we right. agree on that? Yes, agreed. Agreed. You're, even though at that point, at that point, don't you just treat him like OKC has cancer and just have him dominate second units? It might be yeah. a waste of a pick, but you know what? It's a different regime, so they're not married to him the way Hinky may have been. So they can just use him in that form. Maybe they play together eight to twelve minutes. You still have great Embiid uh, insurance. Uh, Noel could get priced out. I mean, there there could still be a scenario in which he plays 30 minutes on this team. Uh, 30 minutes is uh, you know, I, he probably won't average that. Um, although I think he would be the starter. You know, even with Dario and Nerland still here, I still think they would start Okafor. Um, but yeah, you know, I, you know, it would be it would be ideal to be able to get a stud guard for him. And those three guys that I mentioned, I feel like are all going to be successful, but very, very different players. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that you're more of a student of the NBA than, uh, than college basketball. Um, I've, I tend to watch a little bit more NCAA, uh, than, than anything else. And I, I 
got to say, I mean, I, I think all three guys are going to be successful, especially Dunn and Heald, two totally different players. Uh, I mean, they, they almost could not be more different whilst playing similar positions. But I, I really think that they're going to both be all-stars. Um, I, I think Heald is going to be kind of like a mix of a Clay Thompson and a, uh, a Redick, uh, who um, you know, also will bring leadership and toughness to a team, and Dunn is as tough as they come. And, you know, there's not many lockdown guards in this league. He's definitely one of them. Uh, and, uh, but again, my concern about him is he, he needs that ball in his hands, uh, Dunn does. So, you know, how does that work with Simmons? Two guys who can't really shoot from the outside, uh, you know, and then they have, so you have a kind of, uh, uh, too much of one thing there and then too much of one thing down low with Okafor, uh, Embiid, Sarch, and, and Noel. You know, something's got to give. They got to get, got to be able to deal him for someone that could play on the wing, um, or or somebody that could be the point guard for you. Do you like D'Angelo Russell in this draft? If he was in this draft, where would you take him? I think he would be probably three or four. Well, what, really? what do you think? You don't think, even knowing what we know now, let's pretend that we know everything we know now, <laughs> and he's on the and he's on the table for just a pick, no, nothing extra. What pick is a fair trade for him? Is it five? Is it six? Is it four? So in this scenario, Nick Young and Iggy Azalea are not together anymore. They are as they are today, tweeting hashtag single. Okay, very good. Um, I think then, yeah, you know, three, four, five, somewhere around there. Uh, I mean, the guy did have a stretch where he was putting up some really good numbers. He played on a, a really uh, – in a really odd situation with Kobe's farewell tour with a terrible coach. I mean, Byron Scott, um, I, I don't know how he ever got the, the Nets to the finals uh, two years in a row, but um, just an awful coach for that team. And uh, I'm pretty sure Jason and, did coach that team. Most likely. And they had Lawrence Frank, too. Um, but you have, you know, Kobe on his farewell tour putting up X amount of shots a game, Dominating the ball, just like the old ones. Uh, you also had, of course, the immaturity. I'm not putting this all on the team. You had, uh, you know, the immaturity that he showed, that Russell showed. Uh, it was just a bad situation. Um, I, I think that he's going to be a very good player. If you remember last year, he was somebody that I really hoped the Sixers would get. Um, and, you know, did. if they did, we wouldn't have to be talking about where do we deal Okafor? Do we hope he, we don't, you know, it's getting 75 or 50 cents on the dollar for him, a, a, a something we need to avoid. You know, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. Um, so then again, we probably also would have had a couple more wins and maybe not the number one pick. So, you know, it's the butterfly effect. But, uh, nope. you know, I, I think he would go in the, to answer your question, in the top six for sure. Same with Okafor? Or do you feel that he's right on the Oh, Okafor would be number three. I keep thinking that, and I keep thinking that he's a perfect fit for Boston or L.A. What are we missing? Why Why aren't either of those deals done? Well, Danny Ainge is an, an expert-level negotiator. Uh, he's probably the best at making deals in the NBA that I can think of. Um, and, you know, you could argue that R.C. Buford is, but he's right up there. And... You know, this could just be a negotiation tactic. Um, it could be that uh, that uh, they're trying to get as I – mean, there's no need to make the deal now versus making it tomorrow. So 
why not Danny take every minute sitting, you can? If you're Danny, if you're sitting back not worried about having to make a trade right now because you know that if, let's say, we have a, a deal on the table with, let's just say, Phoenix at four, that even before we hit, you know, <laughs> confirm trade, that Brian's going to make one more call straight over to Tim Thayer. You sure? I've got another move I'm going to make right now. I think he's confident in that regard, don't you? Sure. Sure. I, you know, I, I, I never question anything Danny Ainge does. Um, their model for building that championship team they had and rebuilding the team that they have now and are, you know, have so many, I think he would say, assets, um, their model is exactly what you need to do in the NBA. Uh, as uh, as my mentor, Ricky Bobby, said, you, if you ain't first, you're last. So you might as well try to be first. And uh, to, the way to become first, the way to become a contender is to is to suck and uh, and get and get draft picks or get assets that you could deal for stars. Uh, is there any part of you that feels bad for Sam Hinkie not being able to make this pick? Sure, of course. Any level-headed 76ers fan feels bad for Sam Hinkie and appreciates what he did. Uh, I don't understand the guys in the Philadelphia media like Angelo and Howard who really have a limited uh, limited IQ in it, or a low IQ when it comes to basketball, who bashed Hinky left and right. I mean, that is so short-sighted. Uh, well, let's and, think about this. Angelo and Howard are catering to people that are not people that are Hinky apologists, right? right. They're, they're catering to the typical Philadelphia fan, which we're not going to have on this show as much as we can help it. Yeah, there's going to have some. We do have a couple friends that we might like, call in that might represent them, you know, because huh. we all know who we're talking about. But right. even then, the, the typical hinky apologist is someone who Angelo and Howard are not targeting. They're targeting the people of the of the lower IQ that are not really they're they're shock jocks, and that's they're looking for ratings. And it's the same reason why I, I honestly think guys like Skip Bayless and Stephen A. love each other secretly, yeah. but <laughs> have to have it's true. They're going to disagree for the show. Hey, not not to jump off topic, but how about all the hate that Skip Bayless got after LeBron won the title this past year, uh, you know, this well, week? I love it's it. It's his own fault for every time something happens and the Spurs are out of the playoffs, he has to respond with, well, my Spurs would have beaten them. So he kind of brings it on himself. But then again, hey, you know what? All all media is good media. And when you're trying to promote yeah, a show that. and a move, and, yeah, these guys, it's so hard to – separate what's real and what's fake, and that's why this show, so on the Philly Fandemonium show, for those of you tuning in for the first time, which guess what, is everyone, because this is our first episode, yeah, you know that we're not going to do that. We're not looking for ratings, we're not looking for likes, we're not looking for follows, we just wanted a way for me and the rest of us that care this much, instead of us exchanging text messages all the time, we thought we would do it on a verbal form. That's right, if it was up to Keith, it would stay at zero listeners all the time. That's right. We are not, we are in a zero monetization <laughs> policy, right? Um, but uh, yeah, no. What you were saying is is accurate. They're catering to you know, they're trying to get a reaction, and Skip Bayless is the master of that. And uh, um, but uh, you know, circling back to what we were saying, I mean, I, I I can't remember being more excited as a Sixers fan uh, for a draft. I think the last time I was this excited, I wouldn't even say Iverson. Because, uh, you know, I was, that was a long time ago. I was young and, 
and uh, we all knew they were going to pick. And um, but I think the last time I was this excited for a draft was uh, was actually a little bit before Iverson uh, with Stackhouse, or as Sixer That's says, right. uh, calls him Steakhouse uh, in one of their articles. Uh, where their editor, editor must have been taking a nap that day. But, um, and I really thought he was going to be the next great two guard in the league. And he turned out to be a good player, but not a franchise changer. But I was so excited for that draft. And, it, and I was thinking about this earlier today, kind of thinking back to the Sixers lottery picks uh, of our lifetime. Who do you think is the worst? What's the worst pick we've made? The worst pick, to me, I was going to answer your previous comment and that question all in the same. I know there's been, like, on the level worse, but when you think of what you passed up, it has to be the Larry Hughes draft. That was the one I was the most excited for because I was all of, what was yeah. it, 16? And right. we're sitting here, and I didn't know anything about anything, but I knew that you draft Paul Pierce there. I knew that was Or Dirk, right? Well, well, you know, but that was a, that was a question. So hindsight, I, I get it, obviously, 2020, but... A 16-year-old Keith who didn't know anything knew to take Paul Pierce. Right. The Euro thing was still a thing. You know, there really wasn't any proof. There wasn't a dirt to point to, right? Now you all point to, oh, he could be the next dirt. You didn't right. say that before. Yeah. Would you say he could, he could be the next Arbitus of Onus? I mean, it's got to be that one just because of – Paul Pierce was the obvious pick other than the, oh, well, big we coach was the guy before play it. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I think Kukoc would have been the European. Uh, oh, he could be the next Kukoc, which you know was uh, well, sixth was he man, a sixth man though? guy. Yeah, right. But he was he was the uh, you know him and Petrovic were the European uh, you know go tos. But uh, but uh, yeah, that was a bad one. Uh, and and that's a good that's a good choice. I mean, Hughes was a productive player in the NBA, but obviously, it, I mean, it was a. Um, a total shock that Pierce fell that far. And, you know, I, I'm sure you and your listeners know the story, but Larry Brown told Larry Hughes, look, if you're there, we're going to take you. Because he never thought Paul Pierce was going to fall that far. And it's the one time Larry Brown was loyal in his entire life because he would have felt bad for going back on that promise to Larry Hughes when Paul Pierce was there. So I, I, that's what, at least that's what he's, you know, he said publicly. I don't know if that's true. I, I got to think the worst. Ever that time, What's that? If there's ever times would be not loyal, I think that's the one. And I'd even call Larry Hughes afterwards and apologize. And it's not like it was on the borderline of like being a first round pick. And like, you know, he would have still gotten picked in the next five. Picks, oh my God. Right? Him a cheese I mean, you know, geez, you're talking about a franchise here. You're not, this isn't, uh, this isn't, uh, you know, low stakes basketball or pickup basketball where you got to pick your friend or something like that. I mean, holy cow, you got to you got to pick the best player. Uh, but I, I that's a great choice. I I would agree. That's the worst pick we've made. I, I got to say the second pick, the second worst pick we've ever made is Sharon Wright. Uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I, I I'm fascinated that we took this guy. He, uh, power forward, total garbage player. Like, didn't last longer than three years, and I think, in the NBA. And he was a lottery pick. And we picked him ahead of Eddie Jones, who, uh, perennial all-star, Philadelphia ties. I know we had Stackhouse uh, on the team back then. At least I'm pretty sure we did. But, you know, we had a two-card. But you don't, you know, to take to take a total reach like that, 
you see teams do it every year. They'll take some tall, physical, pre- you know, someone with a physical presence who, uh, you know, fills a need and pass up on that the Marquise player. Who Chris can, this year? Could be. Well, I don't know about him. Um, I, I was thinking he's flying that. Flying Right. Well, he's he's the uh, from Washington, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I believe he's a guard. I thought Marquise Chris was like six eight. I think you're thinking of Ellenson. Uh, but if we're, I'm talking about the big guy who teams get, um, who you know visions of grandeur about. I think um, a good example would be well, although a candy went number one that one year, but. Um, like Alex Len, I know he's a productive player now, but I think he was taking number four. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's guys every year. Uh, last year, Willie Cauley Stein, another example. I don't think he's going to be anything to write home about. At best, he'll be what um, uh, what uh, Azili is for Golden State. So, you know, there's there's guys like that every year who are taken ahead of players who could truly change a franchise or at least get you a few more wins uh, and step in and contribute. And they're taken because they're, you know, they have a seven, four wingspan and they're, uh, and, uh, and they're seven foot tall, you know? So, uh, I'm sure there'll be them this year. Um, I'd have to take, Oh, you know who a good example of that would be, would be the, uh, the, the kid from Kentucky. Uh, that's the, I'm going to call him as the bust of the draft. Um, the center from Kentucky, whose name escapes me right now, uh, I believe it's Sklar. I, f- I forget the last name. I don't either. Sorry, Key? I don't remember the last name either. Okay. Yeah, you kind of, I kind of got a little tough to hear you. But anyway, it should be fun tomorrow. I'm honored to, you know, be a part of your first podcast here. I'm, I'm looking forward to calling in when you're off the ground tomorrow. And, uh, uh, you know, and I'm sure this show is going to be just as wacky as the Howard Stern Show. You should start collecting a whack pack of people we grew up with in New Jersey. And that's who we're going to, we're going to allow in like one member of the whack pack every week. Is that the idea? Oh, it's, you know, Howard Stern just has a collection of, you know, people with all sorts of different disorders like Beetlejuice and, uh, you know, other people that are part of its whack pack, and he bring them in and basically laugh at them. So there's a there's a whole cast of characters we could pick from our you know our youth in New Jersey that uh, we can create a whack pack for. But um, I'm sure most of them are successful with families now and want nothing to do with us. <laughs> Let's be honest, none of them are successful. That's true. With any with any luck, they're all destitute and poor. That's right. We're doing whatever we can here on Philly Fandemonium to make sure we get absolutely no listeners because there's a good chance we'll offend anybody and everybody within an episode. And also, so we're more Philadelphian than wishing ill will on other people. I mean, that's something I'm really good hey. at, and I hope to do that with you on this show. My goal here is to make sure that we never sell out. Hashtag never sell out. That's, that's my new goal in life. Even if I make no money. I never want to be considered a sellout. So, and that hashtag is brought week. to you by. <laughs> it's, brought, it's brought to you by uh, mental health centers of Sarasota, Florida. So that <laughs> you're blind, you're crippled, and you're crazy, and we'll take them in. Uh, very good. Well, thanks again for having me as a as a guest here and being a part of this. And um, I, I see big things for the show, and um, you know, hopefully, can 
can check in with you time to time and, and offer my perspective as a self-hating, woe is me, Philadelphia sports fan. With hope now. Now with hope. That's true. We do have a lot of hope. Uh, we were working on the page website earlier, and I was thinking the Mount Rushmore of the 2020 Philadelphia sports scene uh, is going to be our, our background. So I've got it Ghost, Ghost, Wentz, Ben Simmons, and uh, I guess Aaron Nola. Billy Fanatic. Maybe Jake Crawford. <laughs> Maybe the, well, we are the pandemonium. So. For now, he might be the Phillies' best player. I think he might be hitting cleanup tonight. Oh man, um, yeah. I mean, you got to put. I would think for the Phillies, it's got to be Franco or or Nola um, or JP Crawford. Yeah, JP hasn't made it here yet, so I, I don't know that I want to go that far. My thought is, you know, we can always evolve it, but I think for now, for the for the show launch, we're gonna have to go with Nola or Franco. Yeah, that's a good idea. The the the, the Mount Rushmore of whatever. Um, you know, that that's a good uh, thing to kind of throw out there. But yeah, for 2020. I would agree for the Phillies and who the hell knows, you know. I mean, just put. I think you got to put the Fanatics picture there, or you know, maybe like a create a player like you would in MLB 2K. Maybe we just do that gray box where, like, you know, when you go to a website and says upload your photo here, you just <laughs> leave the empty gray box with the with the P on the uniform. Guy Incognito would be the name. I like it. That guy yeah. incognito. We should go for him. I, I hear you can play guard. Let's get him. Sure. Well, sure sounds good. But yeah, and I would I, for the Flyers, the, I would think Goss Spear or um, one of the kids that they draft. I, I know they have a bunch of defensemen that are supposed to be really good. But uh, yeah, Provorov maybe, but he's not here yet. So I'm going to go with Ghost. But that's a nice thing about doing this yourself. You can change it whenever you want, and we can change it on a moment's notice. So as soon as someone makes a big play or screws something up, we'll add them or remove them appropriately. So that's that's a very big conflict for me, Keith, because I like to always be right. So I, going back and changing my opinion, something I'm I'm always willing to do. But at the same time, I'm also um, very stubborn and uh, refuse to change my viewpoint on things. So that's that's a real conflict for me. And and by the way, I just want to throw out one stat. If, if you get a sponsorship for throwing out stats, like your, your stat of the day, uh, Stephen A. Smith has incorrectly predicted the last uh, five, six, or seven NBA Finals winners. I, I heard that. So when That's is he not allowed impossible. to make any more predictions? When is he not allowed to make any more predictions? I, mean, I don't is even know how that's possible. And how could he pick Cleveland last year? I mean, they didn't have love. And uh, I know Kyrie was available at the start of the series, but like, like how could you possibly pick the Cavs? Uh, so... You know, I hope to be slightly more successful in any kind of predictions I make on your program than Stephen A. Smith. And I figured, uh, you know, the, the phrase well, blind close. squirrel finds the nut once in a while. Well, you know, that applies to most people, but not Stephen A. So let's close with a prediction. So we already know who the first pick's going to be. It's Benson. And so as we don't know, you heard it here first or maybe fourth. But so what's the prediction? If you, if you heard what's that news here first. You? I, I got to think you have the strangest setup for getting sports news in the entire world. To, to tune into I a podcast, the first episode of it, and find out news that everyone else knows, and this is the first time you're hearing that, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, you probably need to, to change your homepage. That's probably true. 
So other than that, what's the prediction for tomorrow night? Where does, if you had to put it in, on money now, who gets traded, Ja or Nerlens, and to where? Well, first of all, I think no matter what, Dunn goes three. I think that's going to happen. Um, Even if Boston has to keep the pick? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, you know, and then they have a little bit of a of a embarrassment of riches with Smart and Thomas Avery. and him. Um, but I think they go done. Um, Heald would be a good fit there, too. But I, I think they would go down. A little, little bit um, of a reach. You, know, you just take the best player for your team. But uh, so my prediction is that Okafor will be dealt. I think it'll be to Boston. I know that's boring, but I think that's what makes that's the most Boston. sense. Boston has a need for that's a low exciting. post presence. We have a need for a guard. Hate to trade him in the division, uh, division to your biggest rival, but. I mean, you can't really worry about that. You've got to worry about yourself. What do, you, what do you think? That's the best possible trade, which is why I get nervous that I firmly believe it can't happen. While that's the one I hope to happen, uh, that's why I asked the question, if you ask me what do I hope to happen, that's what I would say. I asked you what you think will happen, so you say that. So I'm gonna, I'd love to agree with you there, but I, I feel like there's legs to this uh, D'Angelo, New Orleans, either three-way. But I think the way it'll happen one of two ways. Either L.A. does wind up getting the six pick, we get back Russell, and Okafor goes to New Orleans, and we get Alex Ajinka as well. Or we just get the six pick and Ajinka directly to New Orleans. I believe one of those are, are what would happen. I don't think that's, that's what I'm afraid is going to happen. I think Enough I would need more. I don't more. believe it is for us either. Unless you know, well, here's the caveat to that. It's enough if one of your guys is at six. If the field or Dunn somehow magically goes to six, it's okay. But well, I and then you got to hope Bender goes goes uh, four or five, which I don't think will happen. Well, it could. But, um, yeah, I mean, because Bender is the one that just knocks everyone else down. Kind of like when Dallas was probably hoping that um, – I mean, Dallas made out in the, the, the Cowboys when – St. Louis and Philly, or L.A. and Philly traded up to get quarterbacks because then they had their pick. Well, no, I'm sorry. Who had the number three pick? San Diego. So San Diego made out. Um, but uh, uh, so, um, you know, the guy, that Bender would be that guy for the Sixers um, if there was any potential to get a six, seven, eight pick and, and one of those guys still being there. And also, you know, like you said, Marquise Chris or um, – yeah, or another player whose name might escape me right now. But the um so that could very well happen. But uh I, I think the most logical situation the most logical trade is normally the one that, that happens, uh if it does at all. And um I think that would be Boston. Uh and I think Colangelo isn't as likely to try to find the smartest solution hole. He's a little more probably inclined to take the what he thinks is the best one, and you know I think Hinky would have been would I think Hinky always had a problem in doing something everyone thought he should, <laughs> you know, except for the draft picks. He never made trades that we saw coming at all. Uh, and no. I don't know if Colangelo is the same way. So it seems to me that one makes the most sense both franchises, uh, and um, you know, and my my long term prediction is that Okafor is not going to be anything more than an Al Jefferson 
or a um, Millsap type of player who are very, very good, not Hall of Famers, not yeah, absolutely. double digit all-star that's, that's not a bad thing. No, it's not. But again, it's, is that, is but, that the person we have keep on your potentially team? transcendent players at those positions. So that is true. Something's got to give. I couldn't agree more. Well, uh, Steve Milo, I appreciate you being on the call. Uh, how's the weather in Cherry Hill? Uh, my office has no windows. Um, so the fluorescent lights in here are pretty nice. Uh, I'm assuming that it's nice outside. Uh, but when I went to my car earlier, it was really humid. But you live in Florida. You don't want to hear about that. That's true. It's uh, it's humid here all the time. But uh, we're here at the uh, the worldwide headquarters of Cowork LWR, our sponsor for the evening. So thank you to the fine people at Cowork LWR. I think their CEO is the man. Mm. And who is that CEO that again? It's me. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah. I, I have not Full heard disclosure. that. Yeah, I have Full not disclosure. heard that. I've heard. I've heard good things about the company, um, but uh, but you personally, you know, I don't find you that charming. I understand. I believe there's a, a slew of former ex-girlfriends and ex-wives that would agree with you. On that note, I think we've reached the penultimate uh, conclusion of the Philly Fandemonium show for tonight. Uh, catch us back tomorrow for the NBA draft. We'll be live starting at 7 o'clock. Uh, you can catch us at phlfandemonium.com and hopefully soon on iTunes. Thanks again, Steve Elam. All right, thanks for having me on, and congratulations on the new launch. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.